Well, welcome everyone. Uh, we're having our weekly panel discussion after Kyle's great sermon, a uh, very encouraging sermon, but also a convicting uh, sermon. So we'll go ahead and get right to it. Uh, Kent, how were you blessed by today's sermon? Yeah, so um, Kyle really keyed in on some, some primary aspects of the Christian sanctification, and that is, uh, in layman's terms, growing more Christ-like. And it's, it's a continued process from the moment of our salvation. It's not just a fire and forget, but there's a trajectory and there's an expectation that we will grow into Christian maturity up until the point of our glorification when we go to be with the Lord. So for me, I was super blessed just looking at the, the fact that it is going to be a labor, that there is work involved, that there is a responsibility on me to own my component of my Christian growth, of my sanctification, and to instill those disciplines in my life. And one of the comments that he said that really, really stuck with me is he said that we work hard at our sanctification realizing that we will never complete it. Yeah. And so we're, we're never going to get to the point to where we are completely Christ-like. We're never going to be at the point where we are perfect on this side of heaven, but realizing that you know, in that sanctification we're doing it for for maturity, for, for God's, uh, you know, glory on this earth, but there's going to be a day in the future when I know that my labors will come to an end, when I am glorified with my Savior who went forward to prepare a place for me and in a, in a, in a place where there is no longer any sin, when I'm not struggling with the same issues and failures that I have now. So it was just such a blessing. It was an encouragement. It was just so, so timely and needed in my sanctification. Yeah. yeah Mike, was, how are you encouraged? Pretty much the same way. The the first uh, quote that I, I wrote down was is that um, we need to be active or mm-hmm. in our own sanctification, and and I, that right there just it opened up a lot of thoughts for me. And it's not something that has happens by osmosis. It doesn't happen magically. It doesn't happen. But there is a component where Mike Workman has to take responsibility for that and begin a. Um, and so I begin to, in my mind, think about some things that I've been encouraged to do that are, that I am doing, that have um, added to my sanctification, or been a process of my sanctification. So that was a blessing to me. Uh, and then I, I did the same thing. It, it takes work, but it is also completed by another. Yeah. That's kind of what you were, right. you were saying there. And that is, that, that's, I can get, I have a tendency to want it to happen today, to be done, to get it over with, to move, you know, it's not. It's a marathon race, and it will ultimately be completed by Christ. Yeah, I was encouraged. I mean, the overall thrust, of course, of the sermon was about us working, but that one point where he talked about how God is at work mm-hmm. in you, that was just so encouraging to me that God is at work. And, of course, if the sovereign God is working at something, he is going to succeed. There is <laughs> yeah. no chance that he's, and, of course, Again, we, we strive in light of that, but that takes the pressure off us in many ways to know that it's going to happen. If, if we are believers and there's evidence of faith in our lives, God is at work in us. And so all it is required for us is to cooperate with that work. Now, that might be hard. It's going to be a struggle and it's going to be a continuous, uh, strenuous effort the rest of our lives. But God is at work, and he is not going to fail. So that should, that should be, encur- be encouraging to all of us. Well, there was many things that were encouraging here, but I'm sure uh, you, like me, can admit there were things that were convicting. Mike, what were some ways that you were convicted by today? Oh, so, man. <laughs> we count the ways. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let, let me just fall and focus on the grumbling. Uh, because I, I, if, if I had a degree in two things, it would be sarcasm and grumbling. And 
that's funny, but it's not. And as I, as I, who am I grumbling against? Mm. He said that. Kyle said that. And man, you're talking about getting throat punched yeah. <laughs> uh, by Scripture. And I begin to think about last week, just some things that they were minor, absolutely minor. But how I would grumble about it. I'm like, oh, I wish this wouldn't. So that's convicting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much further I can go on that because why not be the guy this week, mm -hmm. just in my little circle at work, I'm not going to grumble. Why don't I do that, Mike? i tell you why. Because I like to grumble. Yeah. That's it. Bigger picture is there's sins that I like. That's pointed out by Scripture as sin against God. Yeah. And when he talked about the Old Testament, um, the uh, Hebrews, the Israelites, grumbling. I've just, in my personal reading, go through that. And, and how God responded. He didn't just like, okay. No, he responded Plagues and stuff. <laughs> uh, so that, that, that convicted yeah. me. It's mm -hmm. a good point. So as I think about my grumbling, and I'm going to nest it there because that was the area that I was most convicted as well, Mike. Um, I don't find myself to be a grumbler in the public setting. And I'm not right. one to grumble at work. Uh, I'm not one to grumble at church, in particular, not this one. I love this church, so there's really there's nothing to grumble it's about. Internal grumbling, huh? it, it's more of the internal, exactly and, right. and I, would, I would argue that my wife probably hears more of it than anybody else. And so, you know, bless her heart, but she's, she's on a constant kind of roller coaster of me planning and scheming and thinking <laughs> and dreaming of the future. And so... You know, I, I've, I've had those seasons where I'm so focused on five years down the road that I'm, I'm missing today. And, and God has really convicted me of that really in the past year. And he's been working on me in so many meaningful ways, revealing to me that it's his sovereign hand that has me here today. Yes. Living in Clarksville, Tennessee, working in the 101st Airborne Division. This is not outside of God's sovereign hand. I'm here for a reason, for a purpose, for, for a, a time that God has me here to glorify him the most and to learn as much as I can and to participate in the ministry here at Faith Family Church. And what God has in store next, I can trust in his sovereign hands. So I, I think for me, just the grumbling of, of worrying over anxiety, over just kind of the, 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 the general direction of my life, I've been convicted just to let God have control over that and to trust in him and to trust in his sovereign hand and, and just zip my tongue when I feel like grumbling and just be thankful. Thankful for the fact that I have the health to work, that I have a, a job, yeah. that I have a nation, that I've got freedoms, that I've got an amazing church body. All of these things are reasons to praise God and be thankful, giving me no excuse to grumble. Yeah. No, I, I, I was also convicted about the grumbling because honestly, it's just our flesh enjoys it so much. Of course, you know those stereotypical people who aren't happy unless they have something to complain about. Um, but I just see myself, whether it's a fleshly reaction to a minor inconvenience, I'm yeah. about to lose my, my mind over some just inconvenience, just think, like, you know, who, who is that anger really directed at? It's directed against the sovereign God who allowed this. Yeah. Even if it's mm -hmm. somebody else's fault, that's not outside the sovereignty of God. Exactly. Or I'm tempted to grumble and gripe to my coworkers because the unit historians are blowing off my emails and not giving me my reports on time and everything. You know, 
it, it just so, it's, it's not a good testimony when you're allowing yourself to be uh, negative because what, it doesn't mean that you're, we're Pollyannas and that we don't acknowledge or have to have difficult conversations when people aren't meeting a standard or you gotta you know, have difficult confrontations or something. Um, but you know, we should be, it, it shouldn't wreck our world the way it does so many other people and we shouldn't be known as Eeyores who, um, <laughs> exactly like Kyle right. said, like in light of the resurrection, <laughs> what do we have to be miserable about? Obviously, we can grieve when we when we deal with the effects of sin in our life or uh, you know, tragedies and that kind of yeah. thing. But yeah, it's it's convicting because it's so easy to just um, focus on the negative uh, when when the sovereign God is working all things for yeah. our good. Uh, third question: Is the Christian life easy, and what does it take to live the Christian life for God's glory? Hmm. Okay. Is the Christian life easy? Because <laughs> that's what a lot of the good yeah. TV preachers are telling yeah. you, right? And Instagram inspirational yeah. posts seem to make it think. Um, go back and read Fox's Book of Martyrs or Martyr's Mirror. If, if you think the Christian life is easy and look at the blood of the saints that have been spilled throughout the centuries for the witness of the gospel. And I'll tell you, hands down, the Christian life is not easy. That, you know, it, it is marked with a sense that there is going to be persecution. Um, but... You know, that, that aside, the whole persecution context, um, is a Christian life easy for yourself personally? And, and the answer is no. The answer is no. God gives you the tools to succeed, the tools to, to live unto holiness. Um, you know, he indwells you with his Holy Spirit who then informs your conscience. Um, so you, you have the assurance of your salvation. You have the confidence. You have the comforter. He is indwelling you as a believer. But there's also that responsibility that Kyle was talking about, that responsibility to have those Christian disciplines, to abstain from sin, to seek holiness, to yeah. seek righteousness, to, to own your own discipleship, to spend time dedicated in prayer, communicating with the Lord of the universe, to spend time reading scripture and, and sensing in which scripture is applying that theology to your life that's conforming you into, into his image. And it's, it's a discipline. And, and, you know, as I kind of talked about that roller coaster in my own life with the grumbling, I would say that the Christian life probably has a lot of similarities to that. You've got moments where you've got your mountaintops, you've got your valleys as well. And, and every day, I believe it's just a struggle to, to, to repent of your sins, to repent of your sinfulness and that grumbling that we have and then to serve our Savior. So all of that happens. And, you know, as I kind of was alluding to in, in the small group, you know, like Connie was saved at nine. She's got a long time of sanctification. Yeah. You know, I mean, you think about somebody who, who gets born again at 85 and dies at 86. You've got a little small window. But for those that are saved young, I've got many, many years of serving the Lord. Yeah. Many, many years of coming to, to grips with exactly how sinful we are and how much we need that Savior. Well, so, that takes stewardship, too, because was that passage in Hebrews? Some of you should be teachers by now, but you, should, you still have milk. Right, yeah, you that should be. Even yeah. that doesn't happen just by time. Right, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So there's an expectation that you should arrive at a certain point in your Christian life where you're capable to defend the doctrines of Christ. Yeah. Um, you, should be, you should be at that point. So, yeah, there's an expectation for Christian growth and maturity. And, and how that, that knowledge of Scripture then conforms you in, into uh, glorifying our Savior. So, yes, it's tough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike, uh, what does a Christian life look like, and is it easy? Well, it's obviously, we've established it's not easy. Right. And, and let, me, let me say this, too. Uh, if it is for you, if you're thinking that this is, that, that might be an indicator of some issues, or it may be an indicator of you're getting ready to go through mm -hmm. some trials. 
the, the bottom line is, is if, if I want to know, like you said, the uh, Fox Book's a martyr, I, I could say, well, let's look at Paul's life. How many lashings did he get? Mm -hmm. How many shipwrecks was he in? How many times was he stoned? How many times was he had to be secreted out? Okay, mm -hmm. and people, and it's real easy to say, well, that doesn't happen now. Okay, if that's what you it's want to believe. In China, it's happening but, in right. other places, North but, Korea. But let's yeah. let's talk about here in Kentucky or here in Tennessee. Am I opposite of the world? Because that draws negative attention. If that's the way that I'm going to live, if I am going to live a Christ-like life that includes no grumbling, that is going to be something that draws people's attention. The world is going to see that as something that's unnatural and different. And so in the hopes that, it, that we do draw people to, to Christ, it also is going to, to be a point of contention, and people will uh, call you out on that and say, what's wrong with you? What type of person are you? Are you, know, are you a robot? Are you whatever? So there is going to be persecution. Uh, and to be honest, I, when I look at in my life, it wasn't until I started practicing, getting serious and practicing some of the spiritual disciplines that I began to really see issues um, that were tough to deal with. And all I had was God's word. Mm -hmm. That's all I had to go by. And, uh, and so um, it, it's not easy, but the re and I'm not necessarily even talking about the eternal reward. That, that, that's there, mm -hmm. and we know that's coming. But that's part of our sanctification process, too. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the, the, the Christian guy I was a year ago or two years mm -hmm. ago. I want to be more grounded in the faith, yeah. more, more uh, uh, just more satisfied with Christ, more uh, whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And... Uh, Two, I think at least two sermons ago, Kyle talked about uh, those imagery, that imagery of an athlete and imagery of a soldier. I think that says, this is, this is an image of what the Christian life is like. An athlete has to train hard. They're talking about someone who's constantly trying to get better. Sometimes a lot of effort from just a marginal uh, bit of improvement just to be the best uh, possible, ultimately not for our own glory, but for the glory of God. And then uh, many of us have experience in the army and many of our congregation do. Uh, there's a reason God uses the military illustration so often. And it's interesting. It's not just about courage. It's not just about devotion to duty and to the cause, although those are important aspects of the soldier uh, imagery. But one of the best, Paul tells Timothy, endure hardship, endure suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It sounds like Paul must have spent some time out in the field where sure. he, instead of washing his uniform, he just burnt it and eating MREs for three weeks and getting shot at and stuff like that. That's a big part of being a soldier is just being able to endure hardship and suffering. Why? Not because you just, you're sadistic and you enjoy suffering, but because you know the cause is worth it. Um, and so that, that's imagery that, again, reiterates that the Christian life is not easy. It takes striving and effort, but it is so worth it for the glory of God. Hmm. Final question, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Kyle touched on this, that we are supposed to work out our salvation mm -hmm. with fear and trembling. And that's a theme throughout the Old Testament, whether it's Proverbs saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, mm -hmm. or uh, throughout the New Testament, again, reiterating that we need to fear God. What does that mean? A lot, there's a lot of confusion about that. Some well-meaning Christians, I think, well, what does that mean? I don't want to think about God like an abusive father. What does it mean to biblically fear God? Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Well, and that's, this is a good example of how Kyle took a verse 
uh, or several pieces of the verse that have been twisted, mm-hmm. you know, so bad and just uh, laid it out in a, in a way that uh, is biblically correct and uh, goes with what the author's intent was. I can speak on both. I can speak where there was a time where I should have, if I didn't, really fear the Lord in a, the way that we understand fear. Mm-hmm because I was not right with God. And as a lost person, I am under God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Okay? But this is not what Paul's talking about. Paul talks about fear and trembling. And, and Kyle just, it was just so simple. It, it's, it is a way of, I don't want to uh, offend God with my sin. I want to... Understand that uh, when I do ask forgiveness, that is a, a I, I, because I want to use the word fearful time. It's not a fearful thing. It is a, just a, it's a, it's a serious time. Maybe that's just it. Mm-hmm. Where I go in there seriously. I don't want to do that. I don't want to continue to do that on the same sin over and over and over again. So there is the aspect of, of putting God in his proper place that he is holy and that I just don't bebop in and say, yep, I did this again. Mm-hmm. That's not the way that I approach him. Yeah. I approach him. And the trembling, the, the way I took the trembling was a way that it's slightly, um, I, I guess ultimately I'm excited because I know that I can come into the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the throne room of God. Right. And that my high priest uh, is mediating for me in, in Christ. Yeah. And so it's, it's not the, the English, the, the quick English translation of fear and trembling. Yep. Mm. That's great, Mike. So I want to kind of hang my hat on this, this doctrinal nail that I drove into the wall a second ago as I was talking about, you know, sanctification. And so I think in order to understand this, this, this healthy way of fearing God, um, you've got your, your justification when you are legally declared just before God. And then sanctification is this growing into the image of Christ. And glorification is when you are in the presence of God, glorified body. And so if you think about those, those three kind of doctrinal words, we have what I call the three Ps. And I've heard this kind of bounced around. When you're saved, you're, you're saved from the penalty of sin as you're being sanctified you're being saved from the power of sin, able to not sin, and then when you're glorified, you're, you're, you're saved from the presence of sin. Mm-hmm. So the penalty, the power, and the presence, right? And so when you think about fearing God, recognizing the work that he did on the cross um, to, to justify you, to save you, um, what we're not gonna have, if you're truly born again, you're not gonna have that condemnation or that judgment because you understand that Christ took all of your sins, that he paid that full penalty for your sins. But then in knowing so, you want to please him because we come to him like Abba Father. Like he he has adopted us into his family and he has given us an inheritance that we don't deserve. So do we want to get into a situation where we displease our father? You know, like when you think about your boys, I'm sure they did some dumb stuff, right? And and I, I bet there's been those conversations where you've looked at them and been like, I expected more of you. Yeah. And that, those, those words right there probably gave them more guilt because right. they let you down, uh, just understanding that there's a high calling to, to be a workman. Mm. You know? And so when you think about that, and that, that's just a small little superficial level explanation, if you're called a Christian, 
If you are a son of God who's been born again in Jesus Christ, do you want to do anything that would bring shame or reproach upon the name of Christ? And I think that is where the healthy fear of God comes into play. And so as you kind of, you know, he, he wove it into that grumbling. If you're grumbling and you're doing it in the public setting, you're not bringing glory to him. You're bringing a disservice upon the name of what it means to be a Christian. We have an eternal hope. We, there's, there's an expectation that there's more from us, that we, are, that we are then to live in a manner that brings him glory. So that's where I think the fear kind of comes into yeah, play. Exactly. I, I think of fear very similar to the concept of guilt in many ways. And I love talking about the distinction between fear guilt and love guilt. Yeah. Fear guilt is the fear of being punished. Like, oh no, if, if I get caught, I'm going to get in big mm -hmm. trouble for this. And that is a legitimate fear before we trust Christ. But once we uh, are, have put our, placed our faith in Christ, we should not be motivated by fear guilt anymore, mm -hmm. but by love guilt. The, the guilt of, I've disappointed really the one good. who's loved me more than anyone else who I love. And it's, uh, it's the kind of uh, that the guilt that a husband should feel when he's hurt his wife's feelings. Not, I'm afraid I'm going to go to jail or bad things are going to happen, but I, I, I'm so disappointed that I've wounded the one that I, I love so much. Yeah. And then just as many of you know that uh, I am a bit of a nerd, so one of the ways I, <laughs> Say I, it I, so. I live out that nerdery is through my love of Shakespeare. And of course, like Kyle, I grew up on the King Jimmy, the King James Version of the Bible. And I just was reading uh, this past week that we were on the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower, Voyage of the Mayflower and the Mayflower Compact. And in that first charter of uh, democracy and self-government in uh, North America, mm. they talk about King James. They say, our dread Lord, our dread sovereign Lord, as they used to say in Shakespeare or in the King James Bible. And I thought, what that, that, that says it. Dread wasn't like, oh, he's terrifying, he's a monster, he's evil. No, that wasn't an insult. That was a compliment. I was saying he is worthy of that kind of reverential fear, our dread sovereign. And of course, in that context, he, uh, they were appealing to his just nature and, and his authorizing them to create this colony. Uh, I just thought maybe in a, in a way to help me in my own personal prayers not to be flippant about God is to think maybe address him as my dread sovereign Lord and mm -hmm. to help realize that, yes, because of the work of Christ, I can come to God in friendship, but never realize that I am unworthy of that friendship and that uh, I need to, to, my biggest concern should be to please him. So many people bringing that down, how we apply that, that sort of fear of the Lord to our everyday lives, it's a really way, easy way to think about that is God's opinion matters more than anyone else's opinion, whether it's my own self-esteem, my opinion of myself, whether that's what my, my spouse, my family, my parents think of me, or the peer pressure of my coworkers or my friends or my battle buddies in the army. As, as much as I want to please them and get along with them, I am more concerned about what God thinks of me than any other human being on earth, including myself, and that is the fear of the Lord. That's what it looks like, is to be more concerned about God's opinion than anyone's else, anyone else's. Well, Faith Family, I hope this has been a profitable time for you. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.